Once upon a time, I was interested in science. Every day I would come home from school, turn on WTTW Channel 11, and there I would view 321. An 80s scholastic show where we got to see scientific experiments. The narrators would take their viewers out to nature and look beyond the earth into space. Ah, that was my generation. Young people coming up later than me got a chance to meet a certain science guy named Bill Nye, and he kept and piqued the interest in science with the generation just behind me. And yet now, I wonder who has stepped into that scientific teaching space. Well, in our schools, there are educators who are creating programs to meet the needs of young people who are interested in science. And with that interest, we as educators, teachers, and parents need to spark that interest in science among young people and also get those who would become their role models and teachers to reach back and motivate future generations to enter into the STEM and STEAM fields. Meet Dr. Stephen Jones, Associate Dean of Students in the College of Engineering at Villanova University, a self-publisher, podcaster, and one who loves science. Maybe this podcast can help you remember when you were interested in science, like me. Or maybe you can spark a flame of interest in the young people surrounding your life. Dropping science today is Dr. Stephen Jones. I'm Valerie Johnson, and this is Interludes. Interludes a pure lighthouse production. This episode is brought to you by our national sponsor, Certified Dream Builder Coach Glass. It's never too late to create the life of your dreams. And now, all the way live from the south side of Chicago, give it up for your host, Valerie Johnson. Hey everyone, this is Valerie Johnson and welcome to another edition of Interludes. I'm with a very esteemed young man who is out of Philadelphia and for 37 years he's been a teacher and entrepreneur. I'm very excited to have on the platform Dr. Stephen Jones. How are you today? I am fantastic. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hello. And also, my executive producer, Michael Womble, is here. He's in the education game, too. What's up, Mike? Hey, good morning. Good morning, Dr. Jones. Uh, pleasure to meet you. Thank you. I love the goal that you have set up for which you have SAJ Publishing. Um, you say, our goal is to bridge the gap in conversations about STEM academics and career opportunities. Uh, talk about that. What is the what is that bridge and what have you been doing to link people in that regards from being a student to having a career in STEM? 
Well, it, it all starts, you know, one of the things that I have at my university are programs, what I call pre-college programs for students to understand what engineering is. That's one of the biggest problems in STEM is students don't know, they just think it's train conductors and, you know, uh, mechanics. So you have to give them the whole essence of what engineering is, chemical, mechanical, electrical, civil, computer. There is, uh, you know, bioengineering. There's so many things that you can do, but it's about exposure. Once you get young people exposed to it, ideas go crazy. They think of all kinds of wonderful solutions, um, but it's about exposure. Over 75% of all engineers come from parents who've been engineers. So you look at our community, how many people are in our community are engineers, and that's why you have this ongoing deficit because we don't have enough people educated about it or the preparation in math and physics and science to do that field. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and my cousin is an aeronautical engineer. I believe he went to MIT. And the trouble that he tells me what he faces now is seeing people that look like him in that same space of managing. And the great thing is, is that you've created courses to help students as well as parents to study. Let's just talk about it. Like, how did you come up with that platform and what inspired that? And that's a great question. You know, I started off with a book publishing company. Mm -hmm. And that is just amazing to me because if you asked me as a teenager, would you, that, you know, told me that you would write a book, I would say, are you crazy? No way am I writing a book. I'm just happy <laughs> to get to school. Mm -hmm. That would have been my approach. So I've sold 45,000 of these books on study skills for students, uh, for the parents to help the parents help their children do well in school and then uh, a scholarship book to help them find the money for college. So I started off with the book and then COVID hit us. Wow. To do the sell the books and webinars and seminars and so forth. But COVID came and I said, you know what? Everything's going online. I need to change these books to courses. Mm -hmm. And kind of the impetus for me moving forward online. I think I, had, I was kind of delayed. I should have done it sooner, but you know, it pushed me to make that happen. And so, you know, recognizing that a lot of schools right now, the K-12 schools, the parents can't even go into the school. So if they want to get some education themselves on, you know, to help their children, this is the kind of course that schools can actually adopt for all of the parents at their school. They have Title I funds. They can use their Title I funds to provide this course for the parents or for the students. Uh, study skills, to learn the, everyone says, um, it's not the, the fact that learning loss is just happening. That was happening before COVID happened. And now we just layered it on top of the learning loss that are already going on. So what I found is when students come to college, they really haven't learned how to study. Wow. How to memorize material and give it back to the teacher, but not understand the material and apply it to a problem or apply it to a test. So what I'm trying to do as, is to help the middle school, high school, and first year college student to learn how to study either through the course or taking the book. But in the book, you actually have to write some things. And also there are college students that talk about how they earn A's in all their classes. So every chapter has that. And then in the parents book, it's, it 
as parents thing, how they help their children to earn A's in all their classes. So now you hear the parents' perspective, you hear my perspective, and you have something to do that's assigned to you at the same time. Yeah, and I'm so grateful that my executive producer is on because he teaches high school English. Michael, you have questions for the doctor? Absolutely, yeah. I want to go. I want to go to the core of the problem. I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned and, and talked about what happened pre-COVID. Uh, certainly, in our society, it seems like the answer to any ill right now is, well, it's because of COVID. It's because of COVID. Well, I go to the store. I look at the shelves. How come there's nothing on the shelves? Oh, it's it's because of COVID. I want to do this. Uh, COVID restriction. COVID restriction here. Things were happening in education pre-COVID, and especially in communities of color, among African American, Latinx students. Things were going on before COVID started. Um, I want to get to the core of some of this, um, Dr. Jones. Um, the fact that I think that your your material is so necessary is because um, we're not doing a great job of producing people like me. So uh, I, 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 I'm of the one percenter. I'm a one percenter. Um, there was a story on uh, PBS recently, PBS NewsHour, that focused in on education in Minnesota, had a, a African-American male teacher. We're very rare, very yes. rare. So who's encouraging these students of color in junior high, in high school to pursue uh, interests like uh, STEM or STEAM even? Uh, so somewhere where they're using technology and they will be the next generation of civil engineers. You mentioned all sorts of engineers, but also the people that will go back into the classroom, um, either on your level or on the K-12 level and produce the next generation. So uh, can you tell us, uh, I mean, you're at the end where you're, you're closer to, at the end to produce these folks that will go back into the classrooms, back into these neighborhoods to help out the uh, next generation. Um, how can your materials, how do your materials uh, speak to that issue? And what's your advice? What is, what is your, what are your thoughts in this, on this issue? One of the things that I have, um, and as I was mentioning, I have this, these programs. I have a Saturday program. I have a summer program that are engineering related. What I'm doing with this, and the students don't really realize it. My Villanova students don't realize it. I'm exposing them to the high school students and what their needs are. And with the hopes of them considering at some point, even though they're involved in engineering, teaching, uh, going back, I've, I've encouraged some students that I've just seen their thirst for this to say, you need to go be a principal. You need to run a student school. Uh, you need to bring other professionals into your school. Just like I always say to, um, you know, what a lot, of, a lot of individuals go into a high school or elementary school, middle school, they do career day once a year. I think career day should be every month. Every yeah. month should be speakers coming in, talking about their careers, how they got there, why education is important. Because the students are mostly sitting there saying, well, why am I getting this education? I don't see an opportunity for me. Well, Thank we can solve that. And it's also another way to get some African-American males in front of the students. Yes. Uh, having those professionals come into the classroom. I know I was just, they were just talking about in Pennsylvania, 
only 15% of all K-12 teachers are African-American. Wow. And I wow. say that a small percentage of that are African-American males. Um, one, uh, one solution that I, we have in the region, I attend a meeting with uh, principals, African-American male principals over in New Jersey. And so one of their commissions is to identify and find some of these teachers and students. Uh, we meet every quarter and just share some things that are going on and encourage others, um, other uh, professionals to become principals and vice principals and teachers. So we're, we're the solution. We are. We can't wait for everybody else. They're not as invested as we are in making this happen. And we had to have those conversations and be confident that, you know, we will increase our numbers. If we increase by 5%, we've increased more than we did last year. interesting 2020 all of us kind of experienced what was happening um, in the world via uh, George Floyd and just kind of the social injustice that was kind of coming to head um, as an educator how do you speak to that because my thing is is that sometimes when you are in a classroom you're a little bit sheltered and a lot of classrooms last year were virtual but yeah. The social, the social injustice was in our face on the news there all the time. And some kids that are certain of a certain age could feel like, well, why am I trying to, you know, get, go to school? Why am I doing this online uh, course? Like, like, what's the purpose when I become, I get my career, I become the unicorn and teach, but then I, I have to face, I might get pulled over or I might get shot or I might get killed. How have you um, dealt with or talked with students in order to say, nope, push forward, or to just please get an education? How do you, how would you talk to someone in that regard? Well, that, that's what I've been doing the last um, 37 years in higher education is working with students outside of the classroom, mm -hmm. uh, making sure that they're whole as a person when they come out of the university. A lot of times the university is just all about your academics, all about your academics, mm -hmm. but they are still people and there are things in their lives that are happening, whether they're on campus or off campus, that influence. Uh, and I can, you know, I can share with them my experiences. I can share with them my children experience. My son has been pulled over several times. I've been pulled over several times. And what has been my response, because I think it's also my responsibility to say, this is how you respond to that situation. Because right. if a student isn't prepared for that, the the um, adrenaline that flows in your body, I don't know if you've ever been pulled over, but I have, yeah. adrenaline mm -hmm. that's going on in your body can cause you to react in certain ways if you don't think about what you're gonna do and how you're gonna respond. So I, I you know, with all these students, um, they are my children, no, you know, no matter what background they've come from, no matter what experience that they've come from. And the parents will tell you, I treat them that way because I know I'm investing in them to invest in the future. Whatever I can give them will change their future. And so the exciting thing for me now is that I've been doing this long enough that my students from Drexel University are bringing me their children to mm -hmm. the university. 
And those children are going into the sciences. Those children are going into engineering. So now I'm seeing that second generation. I think in America, too often we think of the short term. Right. Um, but the long term is so important. Just thinking about how am I laying the pathway for this future that, that I want to be engaged in. Michael? Yeah. I, I, um, I have a slightly different question to ask. Um, uh, oftentimes, I guess, over the last couple years uh, at, at institutions I've been at, we've been encouraged to kind of speak to the composition and the diversity of our students. And as an English teacher, uh, it's not very difficult to do that. You find uh, authors of color, you find people uh, writing about topics that are of interest to the students that speak to uh, social issues going on. Um, you're in a slightly different field. You're, you're looking at uh, mathematics, science, and when I interact with these teachers, they say, well, you know, easy for you in English, but what, what do we do? How do we reach uh, students of color? What, what do we uh, say? How can we make mathematics more attractive or give them the message that, uh, yes, people of color have been successful in careers in science and mathematics um, for as long as those fields have been around. Um, can you, can you speak to that, uh, Dr. Jones? Absolutely. I, with that, I think it takes the teachers going outside of the box. Like they're only researching what they know, but there's thousands of websites with information about the successes and not just the dead people. There are alive African-Americans who are still you, in history. <laughs> um, there's two organizations that do that well. The National Society of, oh no, three. Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers, the National Society of Black Engineers, and there's another conference called the Black Engineer of the Year Conference, where they recognize these alive people who are doing phenomenal things. And I think when people see that, it makes such a difference in their minds, but we need to get the people who are saying what you're saying in those rooms so they can see the accomplishment, they can see what can be done and change the mindset that you know, we can't do math, we can't do science. One of the challenges is often the students are behind. You know, they're in uh, middle school and they're still doing some basic math and they should be in at least algebra one by the eighth grade if they're gonna stay on a math pathway. Well, if a counselor doesn't know that and their child has an interest in engineering, by the time they get to high school, they're gonna be behind in the courses that they need to be in to be successful. So it's, it's all about that as well as it's, it's looking at, we know that third graders uh, have are falling behind in reading. Well, even though I'm talking about reading, your ability to read and comprehend affects your math, affects your science, affects your physics. It affects all of that. Knowing that- The expectations. Say that again? Are those the expectations? Do we have lower expectations for, for, for our, our students? I would say yes. And that culture of low expectation keeps them from taking it to the next level academically. The more they're exposed, the more we encourage them, the more that they can do. Uh, so, I, so, I, so what you're talking about, I think what you're talking about, um, and this would be especially of interest of, of parents with uh, children, you know, in, in kindergarten, 
first grade, second grade, third grade, that when they expressed that interest in science, this is, believe it or not, this, this would be the time, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it, mm -hmm. Dr. Jones, to, to, to say, hey, let's get that, um, let's get this going. Let's get these, um, these materials um, in front of them to encourage them. Absolutely. And, and not, uh, and not be that parent that says, well, I didn't like math. I didn't like sciences. So, and not believe that your child, it might've jumped over a generation. <laughs> now you got to. Well, we're guilty of that, aren't we? <laughs> that loves math and science. So don't say those, you know, encourage just always as a parent, we are our children's biggest cheerleaders. I have a 25 year old and a 30 year old. I'm still their biggest cheerleader because I know what they need. You know, I know them best, but keeping them in this positive direction, keeping good expectations of them, uh, parents connecting with the teachers, I think is so important. I want to I want to share another thing too. Other children are tutored from birth, you know, from young ages all the way through high school and go off to college and still get tutoring. And so we think that those children are very, very bright, but they've been tutored all along. And sometimes, you know, we need to get our children into those spaces as well. Uh, doctor, do, do, but do, is there a stigma? When, when you say tutor, here's, here's what I've noticed. If, depending on who you're talking to, what type of family, you say tutor to mm -hmm. some family, uh, Caucasian family, you say tutoring, they say, Oh, great. This is going to really strengthen my 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 uh, child, my student. It's going to help prepare them, uh, propel them uh, forward. When we hear tutor, I think, as African-Americans at times, we hear tutor, we're like, oh, what's wrong with the kid? How come they that child mm -hmm. can't understand the material in the classroom? Uh, oh, I, 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 no, no, no. My student doesn't need tutoring. He or she will figure it out themselves. Uh, it, it seems like we we approach this in a, in a completely different way in, in some kind of cultural stigma. Some kind of weird pride if we admit that our yeah. child needs help. We, yeah, yeah. That's why I'm. I, that's why I'm hoping everyone is listening to this understands from now on that it's a smart parent that gets tutoring for their child, and the students who are holding on to those A's and B's it's because they have the additional support in getting through. Um, same thing, I'll just share at, again, at the college level. I have students that struggle the first semester because they wouldn't go to get additional help because they saw it, like you said, as a weakness. They didn't understand that it's using the right resources as other students are. And so the students who are getting A's and B's are going for tutoring. And I, so I encourage them, you know, as when I talk to them, that's one of the first things I say to them, take advantage of your professors. You can meet with them. They have office hours. Um, students don't know what office hours are coming from the high school. Some of the students thought it was for the professor to just sit around and do their work. They didn't think that that was the time that they should go meet with the professor. So things that we assume that people know, they, you know, they don't know. And it's about, you know, giving, having those conversations and exposing them to it. And don't, like you said, Valerie, don't let your pride get in the way of getting you the resources. And I will say this, at Villanova University, you are paying $75,000 a year 
to not go get a tutor. Are you kidding? <laughs> you need to get all the help you can get. because All you can. Every it. ounce, the writing center, the maps, the learning center, the study center, whatever you need, because it's only four years. You want to come in, do your job in getting educated, and then come out. That's the goal. Whatever it takes. You know, if you want to look over your shoulder and say, yeah, you're getting tutoring, you know, yes, I am. I am. I'm getting the help I need to be successful. And, and, and one of the best ways to do that uh, would be to use some of Dr. Jones' uh, wonderful material uh, as resources to get you ready before you step into an institution like Villanova University so that you're prepared. And, and you, you've got that. And you have that available uh, at your website, Dr. Jones? Yes, they can go to drjonesbooks.com. That's D-R-J-O-N-E-S-B-O-O-K-S.com. My courses are there. The um, books are there. Uh, certainly, you can contact me if it's a school or organization. 100 Black Men just purchased our study skills course for their, their students in Philadelphia. So if you're an organization, you might want to do the same thing. Provide this as a resource for the, the young people that you're working with. And give them give them a step up, give them the preparation that they need so that they can be successful. Again, I just quoted seventy five thousand dollars a year. I have a book that's on how has a hundred scholarship websites in it. I have a course that you can take because maybe a lot of parents don't know where to start when it comes down to finding scholarships. Mm -hmm. they, they can go there, and then the book for the parent. I did the parents' book because I was doing seminars for the students, and the parents were sitting in on the session, and they're like, "Can you write a book for us?" So I started writing these books. A lot of schools have Title I funds. They use their Title I funds, or they might have a gear up program, Upward Bound, Talent Search, 21st Century Grants. They can use them there. I know, you know, wherever this is going out to, just talk with the people at your school about these kinds of resources. I would love to provide them for them. Dr. Jones, thank you so very much. I really appreciate you sitting down and spending the time today to let us know about all that you've done. And I wanted to make sure that I mentioned this. He's the Associate Dean of Students in the College of Engineering at Willanoa University. And I, I meant I meant to I meant to throw that in as well because there's like a there's a laundry list of the things oh, that yeah. you've accomplished. <laughs> That's my real full-time job job is at Villanova University. Mm -hmm. A wildcat I'm with those college students. <laughs> a wildcat. Yes, he has a, Dr. Jones. Wildcats. Dr. Jones has a real passion to help students as well as parents uh, do well, especially in the areas of engineering, math, sciences. It's phenomenal. Dr. Stephen Jones, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you, Simongo. Very much. Great to meet you. Thank I'm you. Valerie Johnson, and this is Interludes. To hear and view more of our interview with Dr. Stephen Jones, please visit our YouTube channel. Have you seen it? It's the weekly chat with EP Michael Womble and Valerie Johnson. Interludes Extra presents Talk on Tuesdays. Join us and other special guests as we break down the latest topics surrounding music, movies, and sports 
every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, live in the chat on our Interludes YouTube channel. Interludes, original concept by Valerie Johnson, written by Michael Womble, produced by Michael Womble and Valerie Johnson, original intro and outro music produced by Kendall Nesbitt. Interludes, a pure Lighthouse production. Brought to you by our national sponsor, Certified Dream Builder Coach Glass. It's never too late to create the life of your dreams. To book your free dream assessment, please visit the website coachglass.com. That's C-O-A-C-H-G-L-A-C-E.com. When you book your appointment with Coach Glass, tell them that you heard it first on the podcast called Interludes. To subscribe to our YouTube channel, or join our Interludes Facebook group, visit the website linktr.ee forward slash Pure Light Media. <laughs> <laughs>